0: Good morning. Welcome to our Lord's. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there we go. Glad you are here with us. If you're visiting or you've been around a few weeks, glad you're here. Glad everybody's here. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. And we are in the midst of some strange days, aren't we? But Jesus is building his church. Amen? Jesus is building his church, and he's empowering us to be his witnesses to share the gospel. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter where we are, we carry the kingdom of God and we share the gospel. And frankly, friends, I've been thinking about this phrase, community is the best thing going on the planet. Community is the best thing going. The church has answers when the world's freaking out and laying into each other and there's division everywhere, we have answers. We are the body of Christ. We are the people of God anointed with the Holy Spirit for times like this. So community is an amazing thing. And those of you that are at home, we're glad you're tuned in. We make full room for everybody, so if you're not able to be here, if you're choosing to not be here for health reason or caution, if you want to wear a mask, you don't want to wear a mask, you're welcome. And so we're trying to create all kinds of space and accommodate the different perspectives. Amen? So we gather on Sundays, and we talk about a bonfire of God's presence And so we all gather around the bonfire on Sundays. I don't know about you, but I need the bonfire this morning. I need to come and sit around with sisters and brothers around the bonfire as God's army and get lit up again and to light my torch. And so we do that on Sundays. And during the week, we're trying to figure out how in the world do you do groups? How do you do small groups? How do you do community groups? with this stuff going on, we're going to find out. The Lord gives wisdom. So we have some groups going on. We have things in planning and in the making, and we will figure it out because it's real important. In the smaller groups, that's where we build relationships. It's where we go deeper with each other. It's where we laugh together. Some of the groups are geared for fun and joy and levity to bring maybe a a friend from work. Some of the groups are geared for going deep into the scriptures together and prayer and being equipped. So we have that as well. I want to give you a heads up that after today, we're ending our series on growing in Christ, spiritual practices today. This is the the final one. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to do a series called Becoming a Vineyard. And as most of us know, we are in the process of... uh, Graciously and lovingly leaving the RCA, the Reformed Church of America, and we're joining the Vineyard Movement. And so I'm going to talk about that specifically over the next three weeks. And then at the end of that, August 14 and 15, what's going on August 14 and 15? Does anybody know? Leadership Weekend, right? And oftentimes we go and have a... A gathering at a hotel or something. We're saving money this year, and just with everything going on, we're going to meet here August 14 and 15, and it's for the whole church, and we're going to talk further about the Vineyard Movement, some of the history, the theology, the values, how that coincides with us as we're becoming a Vineyard, and we're going to do some practical leadership training as well. And we're going to talk about that weekend. You might say, well, I'm not going to go because I'm not a leader, and I would say, ah, not so fast. Don't let yourself off the hook. Leadership is influence. And so the truth is, if you are a Christian, the Lord fills you with His Spirit, anoints you, and you are an influencer. And I think sometimes we have these images of what a leader looks like, and we've got to lose that because the Lord is calling our Lords to be people of influence. So we're going to talk about that August 14 and 15. Sound good? So today we are looking at giving and generosity. And we're seeing, whether we're talking about interacting with God through Scripture, which is one of the practices we looked at, it's really the the first and foremost one, that we pray the Bible, we interact with God, our heart and mind engage God through the written Word. We talked about prayer for a few weeks. We talked about fasting. And these are some of the, the key classic ways that Christians have interacted with God and grown. Now, they're not magic. They're tools. So, reading the Bible, praying the Bible, prayer, fasting, none of these things do anything in and of themselves. They put us under the waterfall of God's presence. That's it. They're tools. They're means to that end. And sometimes Christians get a little bit weird. We can start almost idolizing fasting or idolizing these things, and the Lord says, no, 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 no. These are the means. An end. They're, They're tools and they're weapons, frankly. We've been talking about being an army, not an audience. And so an army has to be armed with weapons. So, friends, now is the time if you're lethargic, you're tired, you're burned out. I've been all those things. Now's the time to get into the scriptures. However, that looks for you. Could be in the car, could be a walk. Could be at, You figure it out. There is a way to carve out time to be with the Lord. So these are our weapons and we need them. I invite you into fresh commitment to prayer. Maybe fasting. We looked at that. All of this is infused with grace. Is it not? We grow in Christ. We grow in the grace of God. Because God wants this more than we do. The Father is good. Isaiah 30, 18 says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. So all of this, practices that sustain spiritual life, are because God is good, and God wants this. So we're going to look at giving and generosity today. And before you tune out and say, oh, my word, a message on giving, Um, I want to be vulnerable. I have not done this. And so I have, in recent weeks and months, talked with Mike and Brad and Wallace and Amanda and said, this is a growth opportunity for me. Because I have seen teaching on giving that frankly isn't kingdom. And so I have really been wrestling with God and saying, how can we do something like this that is important? And the answer is not to neglect it, to not talk about it. That, and the Lord's been saying, Brock, I'm calling you to obey me. And so this is something that young people especially need to hear and maybe some others who've thought about it in incorrect ways. To give and be generous is part of discipleship. And so I've been remiss in not talking about it. And so I ask your forgiveness for that. That I do, this is important. This is an important part of the kingdom and it's an important part of growth. And as we'll see, there's practical use and fruit that comes out of being generous. And we'll be looking at that. But what I want to do today, I want to do what theologians call working from above, not from below. Let that sink in for a moment. We're going to look at generosity and giving from above. What I mean by that is we're going to look at God, the giver. God as the generous one. And that will pour into our lives. If we'll think about this in a worshipful way, not from below, how do we do this? Ah, How do I get a little bit of guilt going in my life so I can give more? No, 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 no. Lose all that. We're going to look to the giver today. And so the first thing I want us to look at, and we're going to look at three things about giving and generosity. And the first is that, friends, God is infinitely gracious. God is gracious and generous and full look at Psalm 24 you can look at it there in your your phone we don't have slides as we've said maybe those of you tuning in you didn't hear it appears that the building got struck by lightning (laughs) so no slides and we can make do as Colt said it's early church who knows we may be coming here and it's dark for one reason or another there may be no lights is that going to stop us No, we're going to learn new ways to be God's fierce people. So Psalm 24-1, and again, God is infinitely generous. Look at what Psalm 24-1 says as we start from above, from above, with our eyes looking to God. Psalm 24-1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. The earth is the Lord's. He owns everything. He's the creator. He is the owner. And he is the giver. Friends, this is where we start. The earth is the Lord's. The whole cosmos is his. He spoke it. It's his. And he shares. He gives. He models what it means to be generous. I've shared this guy, uh, Maximus the Confessor, he was an eighth-century writer, and I love some of these older voices. Listen to what he says. He 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 has some revelation into this. He says, How can we help but marvel at the immense ocean of God's goodness, which is beyond astonishment? So that's what we're doing this morning. We're saying, How can we help but marvel at the immense ocean? of God's goodness and generosity. Friends, He's an ocean of goodness and kindness and generosity. Scripture says in 1 John 4, 8, it's three words, God is love. So all of this is God's. It belongs to Him. The earth is the Lord. It belongs to Him. He's an ocean of goodness and generosity. And then the scriptures say, the Apostle John says God is love, so the nature of God is love. It's outward. It's self-giving. It's overflowing. The doctrine of the Trinity, which we oftentimes, we don't talk about it. It's one of those things that blows the mind, I can't understand. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit has it at work. It's immensely practical, and it's immensely helpful. If you think about it, God is love. God is the creator. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a community that overflows with love and generosity. This is what sets us apart from all the other world religions. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-substantial. It is a beautiful beautiful thing that emerges from the scriptures. God is love. God is community. Now, some of us are saying that's a little bit too theological, a little bit abstract, but let's get really concrete. Look at Romans 5.8. This is concrete, visible stuff right here. If God is infinitely generous, what does the Bible tell us about that? Look at Romans 5.8. By the way, I have my office filled with new pew Bibles. And I've had them in there for about six weeks and we haven't been able to take them out. I'm ready to bring them out. So we'll probably do that in a few weeks. We're trying to wait a little bit longer so we can handle those. But man, they're nice. I'd, I'd prefer for you to use those, but you can use your phone here. Romans 5.8. So God is infinitely generous. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Romans 5, eight. But God proves or demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. Look at Romans 8.32. Three chapters from there, Romans 8.32, looking at the generosity of God. Listen to this, friends. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not also with him give us everything else. God is infinitely generous. God gives the most precious and priceless person his own son, and his own son comes freely. Listen to what Romans 5.5 says, not only does God give his son, which is the essence of the gospel, right? The father sends the son, and the son does for us what we could never do, in his life, his death, his resurrection, again, unique to our faith, our tradition. And it's all infused with the generosity of God. Look at Romans 5.5. 5. Got you bouncing around all in Romans. Romans 5.5. 5. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So friends, God is generous. In His own person, He's generous. In the community of the Holy Trinity, there's generosity. In the giving of His Son, He's supremely generous. There's no one like Him. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on broken people like us. And the beautiful thing is, because we're broken and we leak, He keeps pouring it out. And He every day, Every day, Do you want infilling? Come to me. I'll I'll keep filling you each day. So he is infinitely generous. And this really is. This is the foundation of Christian giving and generosity. And if this gets into our heart a little bit, maybe in a fresh way, in our spiritual bloodstream, God, you are so generous. You are so good. You're so filled with love for us. We'll catch fire. And so we don't have to coerce or anything. All of a sudden we will find ourselves with that revelation pouring over us from the word of God. We want to give. You feel it? I just read these passages and I'm like, Lord, I got to lose the selfishness, the inwardness. And I want to be. That's an amen. Thank you. I believe that for real. Amen. I want to be generous like you. It's funny because I'm getting ready to share a story about you, Todd and Addie Blue. I was I reached out to them and I said, "Can I tell a story about your generosity?" And thankfully, Todd and Addie said that's fine. And that's Anna giving us some amen. Thank you, Anna. So what I want to do is I want to highlight in the few minutes we've got here some of our own stories of generous people, people that have the gift of giving, so I'm not looking elsewhere, I'm looking right here among us. And Todd and Addie were on a trip, on a vacation, it was New Mexico, right, in New Mexico, and they, uh, man, just feel some emotion, Um, they went to eat, and they left a ridiculous tip for this young lady, I mean, just something that was outrageous. And I can't remember why you did that other than the Lord told you to and you felt that generosity flowing. So she ended up writing a note and leaving it at the restaurant knowing that they would come back and somehow you got that note. So I've got the note here and I want to read what this young lady said. She said, dear friends, I almost feel a little silly writing this card because one, I've been racking my brain since Thursday trying to remember your first names, even though I remember your kids' names. And two, because a thank you card seems so insignificant compared to what you've done for me. Your tip last Thursday was unbelievable. I have never seen anything like that. I don't know how many times I've said, seriously? For real? But regardless of my unbelief, I am so thankful. Your generosity, which is an extreme understatement, will not only be a huge blessing to me and my husband, but is also a reminder—catch this—of our calling to give and to bless others. Thank you so much. In Christ, Liz Tate. So they didn't know who this person was, and it blew her away. And not only did it bless her and her husband, but it sparked something in them. They have been so generous to me, this quickens generosity in me. And so I, in turn, realize I'm called to be generous to other people. Friends, I'm inviting you into this kind of generosity. Look for ways to be generous to other people, especially in this hour, in this moment where we're tending to turn inward. And so, the second thing I want to say is that we get to share in God's generosity. God lets us share in his generosity and giving. We've looked at God being our father, God is our father, he's a father of holy and generous love. And where is family? And we're called to look to Him and reflect His character and have Him transform us into the same kind of generous people that show who He is. Look very quickly at 2 Peter 1.4, this idea of sharing in God's generosity. Glad I got through that story. Man, there's something about when we hear stories from one another, it ignites something. So when I heard that story, it changed me. It left something there. There's some residue from that story. And so I've got a few others I'm going to share. So the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.4, it's toward the end of the New Testament there. James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Listen to what he says. This is astounding. And I'm just going to read toward the end of it. He's talking about the precious promises that we have in Scripture, but then look at what he says at the end of 2 Peter 1.4, we are called by divine grace to participate in the very nature of God. Some translations say participate, some say partakers of. The point that the Apostle Peter is making there is that we share in God's nature. Did you hear me? You share as a Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit you get to share and participate in the very nature of God. That is so mind-blowing that it almost sounds unorthodox (laughs) or blasphemous. But friends, this is who you are. This is who I am. And if God is infinitely generous, then you and I get to tap into and participate in as his children reflect the infinite generosity of God wherever we go. And this is one aspect of it. We're called to reflect the fullness of His character. And yes, there's something about Him that we don't participate in, His holy essence, that He is way beyond anything we could ever be. But through grace, through the Holy Spirit, the energies and power, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we do get to participate in His nature. That's good news. That is good news. So I want us to look at this one passage here, and then I'm going to make a few final points here. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 9. I want to read a passage again. We're sharing in God's generosity. We're empowered by His very nature, His Spirit to be generous, to reflect His character. And the Apostle Paul is giving some instruction here to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 8.1. And I'm going to read 1 to 9 and just make some some comments here. 2 Corinthians 8.1 and 9. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. Okay, before I read on, I'm going to ask you to do something here. I want you to look and listen for insights regarding giving and generosity. So I want to read it, and I want it to wash over your mind and heart, but I want you to attend to and listen for the moments of giving and generosity. A little bit of context here, too. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and they're raising money to take to the poor in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. So that's really the historical context here, and he's going to appeal to them. And he says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia, for during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means." And even beyond their means. Verse 4 begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints, that offering that's being taken up. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete his generous undertaking. Verse 7. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. Then look look at this at verse 9. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So Paul in verses 1 to 4 is appealing to the Corinthians, and he's pointing to the churches of Macedonia. It's in modern-day Turkey. He's commending them for their generosity. And then look at verse 5. This is key. As we share in God's generosity, this could go right by us. Look at verse 5. What do they do? What's the first action that they take as Paul's appealing to them? You look, it's there. Not merely as we expected. They give themselves to the Lord. So even before they engage in giving, they give themselves to the Lord. So there's an insight here, friends. If we're going to share in God's generosity Give yourself to the Lord. Be in his presence. Be in his word. Be in community with other people. Give yourself to him. Again, if we just grit our teeth and say, I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to be a better giver. That might last for a week. If you're lucky, a month, a few months. But if you give yourself to the Lord, like scripture teaches, something happens. The Lord works generosity into you. You tap into his generous nature. And then what do they do? They give themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. So there is a worshipful way to be generous and giving. And we give ourselves first to the Lord. He fills us. Jesus says this, freely give because you freely received. So, friends, we got to receive from the Lord. And giving and generosity does include money and financial things, but it also it entails many, many other things. we got to receive from him first. We're giving out of his bounty. The earth is the Lord and all it contains. And then verse 9. Who is the supreme example of giving? Jesus. Verse 9. Paul's like, Encouraging them to follow that very visible, concrete, tangible example. Jesus, in all that he had, became poor so that he could make other people rich. So his life, his death, his resurrection, the self emptying of the incarnation, all of that, he's giving because he's generous. And it makes his people, broken, redeemed, sinful people, rich spiritually. Rich in many ways. You see it? Other things I want to point out, but I want to shift gears and look at the third thing. But before I do, I want to invite us into a lifestyle of this. Generosity. Not checking the box so that I've got to be generous. Let me give a tip to someone. Let me cut a check to the church. Let me reach out to this organization. I want us to think about this in terms of a lifestyle something that lasts, something with deep roots, something that's contagious with other people. <laughs> I'm just sensing the Lord say, he has wonderful, holy contagions that can outdo any virus, amen? In the face of that. So a lifestyle, I wanna share another, another story. I reached out to someone this week here at our Lord's and I said, you're a giver. Why don't you uh, tell me something recently from your giving and your generosity that you have heard of? (laughs) I'm trying to be anonymous. I'm not doing a very good job, sorry. And this person had literally written a check for $10,000 to help with an initiative that's happening, (laughs) the planting of a church. And within a matter of days, they received a check for $10,000. A payment on a loan came through. And that's called kingdom economics, isn't it? Todd Blue is waving at me. Todd will tell me all the time, check in the mail, brother. Check's in the mail. So we serve the Lord who has all the resources. And I just, I sense him at times say, try to outgive me. Try to be more generous than I am. Just watch. And again, I'm not talking about The stuff from the fifties and sixties, the name it, claim it, so you're saying, lose all that, right? I'm talking about God being infinitely generous, and we get to participate in that. And so I think those are little stories where He's like, you're tapping into some of my generosity, and I'm gonna get you back. You know why? If you give, you get, and the more you get, you give. And so it becomes this holy cycle and pattern. And so I want us as a church to be a place where we steward the wealth of God. All that that means, that we have integrity about it, that the Lord can entrust us with all kinds of spiritual kingdom riches and monetary riches so that we can help plant churches, we can help missions, and we can do these things. And this has been a vital part of our church, hasn't it, Esther? Esther? giving a significant part to missions all along. And you know what? Everyone gets to play in this. And so I'm, I've got their stories in Oklahoma and stories in this community. I know the person who cut a check for a million dollars and bought Bridgeway, bought their building where they are for them 30 years ago, walking in a, a, a classic car warehouse And bought that classic warehouse and turned it into Bridgeway. It's a million bucks. And then I got to watch my son experience giving. And he took a $20 bill that he had earned and gave it to one of the missionaries here on a Sunday morning when she visited last year. And it just blew her away. I mean, it brought tears to her eyes and it blessed Jake. So there's nothing too big and nothing too little. Everyone gets to play in being generous and giving. Look for creative ways to do this. So finally, I want to talk about this and we'll end here. Giving and generosity is a weapon. You heard me right. Generosity is a weapon. As we end here, I just want to say twofold weapon. One is the sin and selfishness and greed that rises up in our hearts. Generosity attacks that. Anybody experienced that before? Maybe I'm the only one here with a little bit of selfishness and generosity and greed. Right now, I'm trying to get rid of some of the stuff that I have been collecting. The Lord's dealing with me on some things. I'm a collector. I love sneakers and other things my family puts up with me. But the Lord is saying, sell that stuff and give. Some of it's collectible, so I can't just donate it to Goodwill. Or so, so I want to sell it and give more. And so how can we find ways? And frankly, the Lord is calling me to use that weapon of generosity and giving right here in my own heart. There's a garden in my heart that needs some weeds taken out. And generosity helps in that process. It helps uproot the weeds and plant seed of generosity. So it's something, it's a weapon that we can use in our own lives. If there's something that's rising up in you and you want more or whatever it is, ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be generous? How can I address this? Give me a kingdom solution here. I'm envious. Well, give. Again, I'm right in this with you. So it's a weapon internally. A second thing is that it's a weapon outwardly. We'll end with this here. Look at Matthew 6, 19. So giving and generosity is a weapon. Jesus says this in Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. So Jesus is addressing that innately selfish thing inside all of us. And he's not saying, you can read in other places, he is not saying that riches or money is a bad thing, it's the love of it. It's the dependence on it. It's your devotion to that. Frankly, the churches need finances to keep things going and to plant churches and to reach and to give to the poor but Jesus says there's something in our heart that generosity goes after goes after it within us and then it blesses others and so friends I just want to say we can't take anything with us into the age to come can't do it I can't take my Adidas collection the shoes that I really like I got some on today I can't take those with me, it's goofy in the light of eternity, but we can take souls and we can take riches that we store up here, generosity and giving to other people. And I think we can get addicted to doing these kinds of things. I remember when I was at the Anaheim Vineyard in the late 80s, going to college, actually got to go to John Wimber's church and be there for a while, and that dude was a maniac. He was a giving maniac. He was generous. And so if you spent any time around there, you knew he kept stuff in his car. As he drove around the suburbs and was in Los Angeles, he would keep sandwiches in his car. He would start his day, know he's going to be driving out here, and he would stop and give things to people to feed. He would drive through a section of town, and then he invited the church into that. And so the Anaheim Vineyard, every Sunday, went out and fed the poor and hung out with homeless people and did this because that was his experience, and he drew the church into it. His wife used to joke all the time and say he's emptying his wallet everywhere we go. He was a generous person, and he realized this whole thing is God's deal. This is God's worldwide plan of mercy, and I get to participate in it. So friends, let's grow in this together. Let's ask God to grow this in us. Let's learn from other people. Let's hear stories and share them. And I just want to say right now, give wherever and however the Lord says. We know that the local church is a vehicle through which the kingdom of God comes. So of course, we'll do the best stewarding the resources, but we give to World Vision as well. We give here at our Lord's, but we also about 10 years ago, is that right, Amanda, we started sponsoring some kids and we drew our our children into that so they could see. So give, be generous, give tips, give through the local church, give through other organizations where there's integrity and accountability. So Lord, we do, we turn to you. You are infinitely gracious and generous and kind and merciful. And we share in that. We pray that as your army, you would teach us to use generosity as a powerful weapon of love and redemption. And Father, I just thank you that this whole thing is your project. This is in your heart. And you are an ocean of goodness and generosity and kindness. We love you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.